What started as an April Fool's joke on the website Reddit soon became the largest collaborative artwork of all time. Over 1 million users, armed with one pixel each, participated in Our Place, working collaboratively on a canvas that eventually contained everything from the American flag to the Mona Lisa. Hello and welcome to the Artsy Podcast. We're going to be chatting about Our Place with two of the people who helped create it. I'm your host, Isaac Kaplan, joined this week by Josh Wardle, Senior Product Manager at Reddit, and Kevin O'Connor, a software engineer at Reddit. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks so much, uh, both of you, for joining us from San Francisco. I guess a great place to begin, Josh, is where did the idea for this come from? Uh, Yeah, so... um April Fool's Day on the internet kind of sucks. <laughs> and it's very passive, right? Like companies create things and then other people, uh, users and like internet goers just kind of consume them. And it's kind of all gotten a bit lame. At Reddit, we try and do something a little differently where we create these large scale interactive projects where we have, um, you know, like people on the internet can interact at a size and a, and a speed that they've never been able to before. So there's like a ton of interesting things we can explore there. So we try and use April mm-hmm. Fool's Day as an as a opportunity to launch a project that is, you know, a little strange, a little risky maybe, but does something weird with the internet. So uh, Place was kind of an extension of those projects in that uh, we we're just kind of taking it further to explore how people can interact online. And specifically what we're interested in is this concept of uh, can we de-emphasize the individual and make uh, collaboration the uh, the goal of the project? Like people will be compelled to collaborate by the project. Yeah, I mean, can you talk a little bit about how Place worked and how it blended individual agency, but also a collaborative spirit? Yeah, so at its core, uh, the idea for Place is fairly simple. There is an empty canvas that's a thousand by a thousand tiles wide and users can place a tile of uh, one of 16 colors anywhere they want on the canvas. The The key point, though, is after placing a tile, they have to wait five minutes before they can place another one. And so what that does is that makes you as an individual realize, uh, oh, hey, on my own, I can't really create anything on this canvas. If I want to draw something, the only way I'm really going to achieve that is I can either spend like 20 hours doing it myself or I can do it in five minutes <laughs> if I get a bunch of people involved. Yeah, and I also imagine that if you just tried to do it by yourself, other people would just steamroll you if they were working together anyway, because there was only so much space. I think it was, how, how large was it? Like a thousand by a thousand pixels? or Yeah, so it's a, a, a million pixels total, which sounds like a lot, but uh, when you're operating at the scale of Reddit, it's uh, it's like things get overwritten pretty fast, you know? There's a lot of activity. Well, we'll get into some of the back and forths and like the, the miniature wars that happened on the canvas, but first I want to... I want to ask, Kevin, how did you begin to approach coding something like this or engineering something? I can imagine it being really taxing on the infrastructure of the website. We start with a pretty small group of people uh, who work mostly on the core of the site. Josh is usually the one who comes up with these ideas. And uh, we'll talk about, is this, is this going to work? Uh, can we make this work? And we try and pare it down to like the actual tasks that need to be completed. And usually we end up reusing pieces of the site that we've written for other things for these sorts of projects and that helps reduce the time and effort required to do it and it's just a matter of people working like kind of as a side project sort of in their spare time for uh, a few months whenever they have time to get it done yeah it must be kind of terrifying to launch something like this all at once i know that's probably not how you like to do rollouts yeah like traditionally for 
any new technology or feature that we do, it would be, you know, we will do it in what's called phased rollouts where we'll release to 1% of users and then 10% and then so on and so forth until we're pretty sure that everything's working and we can safely turn it off if we need to. But for something like this, in order for enough people to be interested and uh, use it, we need to release it all at once to 100% of the world immediately with very little testing. So uh, it's a little nerve-wracking. If we if it does fail, like if it falls over in the first hour because it was built in a way that we didn't anticipate like the load or something like that, it will people will just lose interest, right? So it's like crucial that the thing stands up to like a high amount of traffic, but the testing it's had up until that point is just us using it internally. So it goes from like 15 people using it to like a million people using it very, very quickly. <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely be at like a 10 on the stress scale <laughs> if it was if I was doing this. So the reactions around place were, were pretty positive. I mean, even Gizmodo, uh, always difficult to impress, filed it under sometimes the internet is good. Uh, but obviously, I'm just sort of curious because whenever you put something in the hands of the users, what is generated is like uh, a lot of lewd and probably crude stuff. That's not what place actually turned out to be. I'm curious how... Uh, user-generated content wasn't so nasty. How did that get avoided? Yeah, so in the build-up to uh, making a project like this, I have to get buy-in from everyone at the company because this is a very public part of Reddit, right? And I had told people beforehand, oh, hey, this is the internet. Maybe there are going to be some unpleasant things drawn on the canvas, but that's kind of part of the experience. And that um, for every one person that wants to draw a bad thing, there are going to be like, 10,000 people who want to draw something awesome or take the bad thing and turn it into a good thing. Um, when we launched very, very early on, a lot of the the kind of imagery that appeared was kind of like bathroom stall graffiti sort of uh, sort of level, which I, so I had been like talking this talk, like, oh, hey, there's going to be bad stuff. But, but when it happened, I was just like, oh, this is what we've done. And it didn't feel, it didn't feel good, but um what we saw over time is as people really understood and started to collaborate, something about it's easier to collaborate on something positive than it is to collaborate on something negative, I think, was kind of mm -hmm. the, the overall takeaway. So so people wanted to make these really amazing, intricate things. And if you're like trying to draw like something super offensive, it's like just hard to find enough people who really want to do that. Whereas if you want to draw a small cartoon dog wearing clogs, turns out, People are in. Uh, what, what's your impression, Kevin? Uh, it's interesting because the Reddit is a very unique company in that we're pretty small and we have a very tight connection with the community. Many of the engineers here, like traditionally in bigger companies, uh, there's a ton of engineers and many of them won't be so passionate about the product. Like a reason why many of us are working here is because we were members of the community or we really love the communities that we uh, are parts of here and, and want to uh, help build that. So I think like in a lot of other instances, perhaps the engineers may have been a little more hands off and say like, oh, this isn't really our issue to fix. This is up to the community team or this is somebody else's job. But uh, for everybody involved in the project, you know, we wanted to come up with ways to like encourage good behavior. And that was a big part of it was us trying to figure out the ways that we could stimulate that behavior and like things like randomizing the center of the canvas, help it help make it so you know, there's not one central focus and we can inspire collaboration that way. 
Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know that was a shift you made over the 72-hour run, right? Where where people began on the canvas. So, right. So we launched Place, and people start figuring out that they can place pixels, and then they start, oh, I can place different colored pixels. And then everyone at that point is landing at the same point in the kind of directly in the center of the canvas. And this, like, image starts to emerge that kind of seems pretty phallic <laughs> and... Uh, over time, we just saw that while they were figuring out what place was, they wanted to contribute to the first thing that they could see, which was this image. So we decided fairly early on, actually, about two hours in, what if we randomized the start position? So every time a user arrives at the canvas, they're taken to a different point. And, and as we mentioned before, it's a, it's a thousand by a thousand, but we were fairly zoomed in, so the canvas feels really large. And it turns out that when you put people in different spots, when they get especially early on, a chunk of blank canvas, they'll kind of come up with their own thing to create rather than trying to add to something that's already there. So I think that was kind of a pivotal decision that we made. One blogger wrote about place afterwards that I, that I liked. Uh, early on, it was kind of, it took the path of least surprise. It kind of went in the direction that you thought giving a canvas to a bunch of pseudonymous people on the internet would go. But through things, small tweaks, like changing the start position, we were able to further get people to explore this idea of collaboration. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know if, if our listeners have all seen it, but if you haven't, I highly recommend checking it out on the on the page attached to this podcast. I mean, it's just an incredibly diverse canvas. It's There's so much, it's almost impossible to kind of summarize in, in one piece. And each piece, uh, am I right to sort of think that various images were uh spearheaded by various different subreddits how did that dynamic kind of unfold i i think yeah it was a combination of um people created communities just because they wanted to draw something so there was someone suggested hey a lot of the a lot of the things on the canvas are kind of like simplistic let's draw the mona lisa and then they created a, a community which other people could join but and then there's also a lot of our we have a lot of um obviously reddit is about community there are a lot of uh big uh, country-specific subreddits. So like uh, the Swedish flag appeared very early on, uh, for instance. And then we have a very big uh, gaming contingent. So like it turns out that video game art, uh, pixel-based art, is obviously very easy to draw on a canvas-like place. So that was, uh, that was easy for people to, to, to start collaborating on. Do you know who was responsible for like the Windows 98 start bar that's at the bottom of the <laughs> place? That's one of my favorite ones. I don't have a good origin story uh, for that one. So the yeah, the star bar emerged in the in the bottom left, and it's like this kind of cultural icon, right, for a certain group of people that grew up with uh, with Windows ninety five. And what they started to do was kind of incorporate other pieces of artwork. So uh, Starry Night by Van Gogh had been drawn at the bottom of the uh, of the canvas, and rather than override it with this gray taskbar, they've turned it into like a a BMP, like a bitmap file that's open. It was like a, a really creative way of uh, in like two. So there are two groups of people, one group working on the taskbar, one group working on Starry Night, where their uh, pieces of artwork kind of intersected. They kind of collaborated to create, uh, you know, a, a combination of the two. Yeah, I mean, you sound pretty happy that you're, you're kind of proved right that the negative impulses were really trumped by a kind of collaborative spirit generally but there were like quite a few battles for space and for imagery on the canvas itself there was one over the american flag uh where 
this community called like the Black Void, is that right? Tried to take it over. Can you talk about maybe some of the the turf wars that you saw unfolding? I mean, what was the most amusing one or, or were you rooting for one side or the other? Uh, yeah, I was a big fan of the Black Void. Uh, so they were like this group that started draw- just drawing black on the canvas. And, and, <laughs> and their kind of philosophy was that um, destruction is a necessary part of creation. And everyone that was placing tiles on the canvas was in fact destroying it. And the Black Void was just a, the purest expression of, uh, of that idea. So uh, I had a lot of time for them, but uh, I, know, I know a lot of people felt that they were just, uh, just being destructive. This, the things that were amazing to me were when, yeah, I would expect that originally communities uh, or groups that were creating things would get a full head of steam and would basically just steamroll everybody. But we kept seeing again and again and again, people would end up collaborating. And so there was, you know, the giant rainbow across the canvas. And then there was another group that was creating a bunch of hearts. And when they ran into each other, they turned the hearts into rainbow hearts, but didn't get rid of the hearts. And it, I don't understand how they were able to uh, broker these deals. Like I was, I was watching some of the groups uh, in chat rooms and looking through some of their subreddits, trying to figure out how are they even uh, coming to these agreements. And uh, it was pretty amazing to see. Oh yeah, yeah. I was in, I was in a room that uh, it was a, it was a chat room and a diplomat from another group there was there, there was like a council like a united colors council and diplomat diplomats from other groups would come it was like you know kind of like mock uh, government uh yeah it was pretty wild um there was also one of the uh projects that i really liked actually was um uh so there was a group that started drawing the uh transgender pride flag because we we had launched the project on march 31st actually which was uh international uh Transgender Day of Visibility, I think. And what they started to do was they were the first group that rather than, as they were drawing on the canvas, rather than drawing on top of other pieces of art, they would like kind of go underneath and like weave between. And it was this, um, yeah, it was this really cool demonstration of creating without destroying. Yeah, I mean, Kevin, I'm just sort of curious, uh, what was your like days like tending to this on the back end? I mean, were you like furiously fixing things? Was it sort of very calm? How did it kind of unfold? Uh, it was funny because we actually made the, de- normally this goes on, this goes out on April 1st, but we made the decision, let's do it on Friday, March 31st, which I guess is technically April 1st, somewhere in the world. But uh, we made that decision thinking, oh, this is great. You know, we'll figure out all, usually if there's going to be problems, it'll happen in the first couple hours. And uh, we launched it and everything actually looked pretty good for a while. Um, but then it, uh, it, a few things in the back started to light on fire. Uh, um, we use like this system that helps transmit messages all over the place. And when you were connected to this and at our peak, we had, I think 180,000 people on at once. And so every time anybody draws a pixel, we send the pixel to everyone else who's connected, uh, which can cause some problems. And because we wanted it to look as live as possible. So we had tiles and pixels placed jumping in and out. Uh, so you would see things as they're being drawn. Uh, turns out that's hard to do. Uh, and we didn't really realize the problems we were going into. So um, it was it was a pretty harried three days over the weekend. I was working on it pretty much the whole time. We had month like probably about a month's worth of uh, infrastructure upgrades planned that we just did in that weekend um, because we wanted to keep the project running. We wanted everybody to continue using it. And uh, normally that would be 
a pretty rough experience. Um, I wouldn't normally like to do that, but in service of this, I, I found it pretty enjoyable just to, to keep the thing running. Kevin was like looking at the back scroll in our internal chat and <laughs> said, uh, said he was getting sweaty palms just like thinking about <laughs> the amount that things were breaking. Uh. It's all coming back to me. <laughs> you also mentioned that there was... When we were talking earlier, you sort of said that you had to slow down or increase the amount of time between placing each pixel and people began creating like conspiracy <laughs> theories. I mean, what, what sort of happened there? Yeah, we, you know, we, we always leave ourselves a lot of buttons and knobs to uh, tune as the project is going on to be able to like throttle it essentially and give ourselves a little bit of breathing room if things aren't going well. And so one of those was... Uh, the cooldown. So basically, if you show up and you place a tile, uh, you can come back five minutes later and you can place another one. And so in order to slow down the tide of pixels that was giving us trouble, uh, we increased the cooldown to 10 minutes and eventually 20 minutes. So it made it so you couldn't place tiles so often. And um, we don't make any like official public announcement when we do that. So then it leaves it, leaves it up to people's imaginations and uh, people who were using it we're wondering, oh, if we place more tiles, does that increase the cooldown? Do we need to slow down? Does this mean the project is ending? What's going on? And they'll just come up with all sorts of uh, crazy theories, which uh, we, we love to read. Yeah, I, I, I think this ties into one thing that we've identified with these projects is that we're, we're not the creative ones. Like the people at Reddit aren't the creative ones. It's the community of Reddit that's super creative. So we just create like the the structure and then kind of let them go crazy with it so something like that like what the cooldown time is we know we know from experience now from doing a couple of these that when we change it people are going to come up with all sorts of like super imaginative and uh, uh interesting interpretations of what it could mean that don't necessarily uh, detract from the project at all in fact they can add to it yeah i mean i'm, I'm just curious now you're looking back on it what do you sort of think the legacy of this will be? I mean, is it, is it sort of a flash of the pan? Does it speak to something greater about Reddit? That's a that's an interesting question. I think a lot of these projects tend to be uh, fairly experiential, right? Like they exist for a moment in time. And if you're there and you participate, you have a certain experience. And, and maybe it's a little hard to kind of grok after the fact. Um, Place might be a little different as there is this visual artifact. There's the, the canvas in its, uh, in its final state. For me, the, the success of place will like inform how we approach future projects like this. Like I think making collaboration a focus is like a very, very uh, interesting avenue to explore on the internet right now, especially uh, in like pseudonymous communities, right? There's a certain connotation about what the, what the kind of discourse is going to be from anonymous people online and can we explore the ways in which that could be different yeah <laughs> yeah it's honestly like really uh enjoyable to see it's as josh said like we're not the creative ones we the engineers on the project are literally only setting things up to let the members of the community do what they want to do um and it's really gratifying to know that you put all this work in and people made these amazing things that you could never think of ever making yourself. They come up with all these novel solutions and ways to communicate that are things that we never thought of. And it really, uh, not only in the moment does it feel really good to see your, your work being used like that, but also it kind of is a morale boost and pushes us in a great direction for everything we do here that it feels like, you know, 
everything, anything we can do, the community can really do something amazing with it rather than they're going to take it the wrong way or, or use it for, for things that we won't like or that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and are you guys trying to get this in MoMA? Is that, is that a, a, a strategy or what's, what's going on there? You need, I think you need to talk to talk to Alexis. Yeah. I think there is a avenue where this <laughs> may be the like largest collaborative work of art in existence, but I'm not sure if that's in like the kind of like Guinness World Records sort of interpretation, which kind of always feels like a bit of a scam to me. Yeah. Like uh, it's gonna be Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll try and put in a good word for you. Oh, if you thank can. you. I appreciate oh, it. Thank be you. Great to. I, that, not that I have that much sway over what <laughs> MoMA collects, but, you know, for what it's worth, if anyone from MoMA is listening to this podcast, uh, acquire a place. All right. I, I guess just the last question before I let you guys go, what was your favorite uh, image that popped up over those 72 hours? Oh, man. Uh, oh, there was so many. Uh, there was uh, the Dutch flag. They incorporated a picture pictures of their uh, royalty, which is pretty impressive. There was a dog, uh, the dog Josh was talking about earlier with clogs. I think it was animated at one point. So if you watch the time lapse, you'll see its feet move around. The coolest parts for me were where two communities met and formed different things. So I think there was, was it the French and German flag that came together and were fighting for some time and then eventually turned into the European mm-hmm. Union flag? Just the cool intersections of communities were the by far the coolest thing for me. Yeah, for me, the really memorable moment. So, so during these things... Kevin doesn't get a lot of sleep when they're running. I'm I'm also even though my my stress level is highest just before the launch because I don't know what's going to happen. Even as the thing is running, I don't really sleep that much. So I think it was like 5 a.m. one morning, and I was looking and I was I was browsing around. and I saw the Dutch flag, and then I looked and I saw that they had intersected with this um, small uh, picture of a of a dog, and and, and a lot of. Um, a lot of communities would like not only illustrate something, but they write the name of the subreddit, the community that you could go to to find out more information. So I visited that community. It was called r slash good boy. It's a, it's a very popular meme right now. And I, and, I, and I visited it and then I realized that they, they were talking about how to add clogs to this dog. And then I went back and I looked at the uh, at the dog and I was like, wow, yeah, there are two dogs here and one of them was wearing shoes. And then I like zoomed out and I saw that it was wearing shoes because it like intersected with the Netherlands flag. And like, I am, I wish I was joking about this, but I was crying at that point. <laughs> I think I, I think it was because it was uh, so early in the morning. But I was like, this is exactly like this is the best possible outcome for me for this project and it's uh, summed up by a, a cartoon dog wearing clogs i think that's a great place to leave it thanks so much to both of you for uh joining me all the way from san francisco thank you thank you it was great to talk about it and uh, looking forward to seeing what you guys have planned uh for next april fools no pressure <laughs> no pressure at all please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast on itunes if you haven't already see you next time Our producer is editorial associate Abigail Kane, and the theme music is by Broke for Free.